Jonah chapter 1. And verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Can I just stop there a wee moment and say, in my 40 years of preaching, one of the greatest delights is when the word of the Lord comes to you. After waiting, after praying, after seeking God, maybe a word of prayer by somebody, a circumstance, or your own reading, God drives the word into your heart. You see, I was taught in my young days that there's a message for the meeting. And that's why I don't do long series here, unless directed by the Lord at only three or four weeks. Because I believe that there's a message for every meeting. And it's up to, our, up to us as servants of God to find that out and pray till we get the word of the Lord for the people. And sometimes we have to wait but it's the most beautiful thing whenever the word of the Lord comes, comes to you. Verse 2, arise and go to Nineveh. He didn't say don't, he didn't say run and hide. He says arise and go to Nineveh that great city and cry against it for their wickedness is come up before me. You know, Nineveh was the largest city in the world at this time. It was the most evil, the most wicked, and you would get nothing even to match it today for its immorality and its barbarity. Do you know that they took children and they burnt them alive. They skinned them first of all and then burnt them. And Jonah was brought up on the very borders of it and it's not a bit wonder he didn't want to go. They were even people. The Syrians. Verse 3. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it. Now watch this phrase, to go with them. He's going, with a, he's going in the wrong direction. To go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But, Jonah's but is in verse 3, but God's but is in verse 4. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea that the ship was like to be broken. 
Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God, cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. Another but. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper, arise? Call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us, that we perish not. And they said, Every one to his fellow come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for whose cause this evil has come upon us. What is thine occupation? Whence comest thou? What is thy country? And what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. We know that God will bless the public reading of his word. There are at least six times in the word of God when we get the phrase, the finger of God. The eternal creative finger of God that put the stars and moon into place. And every time we read about the finger of God, it's pointing to one sort of judgment or another. During the third of the ten plagues of Egypt, you get the first time when all the dust of the earth were created into lice that hit every man, woman and child and cattle and beasts of the field, scratching, itching, bleeding, was the order of the day. And in the midst of that awful plague, an old pagan, ungodly, Egyptian musician faced Pharaoh and looked him straight in the face. And I believe that he was trembling when he said, this is the finger of God. You know, sometimes the ungodly are more alert, alert more focused, often than the people of God. This was the finger of God pointing at the adversary. Pharaoh was a type, a great type of the devil. And the finger of God was pointing at the adversary. He was holding the people of God in bondage. He had them gripped by his power. And God has come to release them and set them free. And the devil's mad. The devil always gets mad when there's a move of God on. He always gets, gets mad when there's a hope of souls being released from bondage and drunk, 
drinking drugs. He hates it and he's fighting tooth and nail. He's fighting us tooth and nail here. But we have men and women fighting back. And thank God for that. Another time we have this phrase is in Daniel chapter 5. When Belshazzar had a night of drunken debauchery, when he called in the thousands of ladies and men and had a night of immorality and dancing and wickedness. And then he done the almost unthinkable. He took the sacred vessels that his grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had kept in the temple for the day when the people would return again. There was more in him than some today. And he took, he took those sacred vessels out filled them with wine and drank and danced and mocked and worshipped with those vessels, the god of wood and stone and silver. And in the midst of that debauchery that night, you know the story well, don't you? In the midst of that debauchery that night, the finger, the ghastly, ghostly finger of a man's hand appeared on the wall. Meany, meany, take all you farce Thou art weird in the balances and found wanting. That night he was slain. And God put an end to the whole party, let me tell you. And God, the judgment of God came. The judgment of God came upon it. That was not the finger at, at, at the adversary. It was the finger at iniquity. I preached a sermon here some time ago on the scripture text, The Iniquity of Holy Things. The iniquity of holy things. And there are many holy things, my friend, in the word of God. And many holy things that we are warned of in the word of God that we are not to touch. Not to touch. Don't you be touching the Lord's anointed in these days. Don't you be criticizing this church now and what's going on here. Touch not the Lord tonight. Let me tell you something else. Don't be coming round this table. This, this is holy things. These are holy things this morning. Don't you be coming round the Lord's table if you're not walking with the Lord and you're not right with the Lord. If you're not right with your brother or sister, go and get things right. For these are holy things. Then we have another scene in John's Gospel, chapter 8, when our Lord Jesus Christ came down from the Mount of Olives where he stayed all night and he was up early in the morning. The Lord got up early in the morning. Do you get up early in the morning? Don't be running to your work now like a neighbour used to live beside us one time. <clears throat> she got Pat and I led her to the Lord and she, she was next door neighbour and we used to look out to the window and see, see her in our mag going down to her work in an office and she was running reading the daily reading. Hope you're not at that trade now. We need to get up and spend time with the Lord. The Lord get up early. Let me tell you, in John 8, the devil was up early. He gets up early too. Because when our Lord went into the, into the, the, the temple, into the place, the house of God that morning, when he went into it, the Pharisees came and dragging a woman whom they found committed adultery. They found her in the very act, so they must have watched her. The old religious Pharisees. 
And they threw her down at the feet of Jesus. He says, this woman should be stoned to death according to the Old Testament scriptures. And the Lord reached down with his finger, the finger of God, and he wrote, and I'm always convinced, I'm convinced that he wrote the name of one of themselves. For there were a crowd of hypocrites wanting a stone for to death. Let him without sin cast the fourth stone. You just take your time now when you're criticizing somebody. For your life mightn't just be everything either. And he wrote down the finger in the dust, he wrote, the finger of God against hypocrisy. Then there are many places in the word of God where we don't read literally of the finger of God pointing. We call that euphemisms. Something similar. In Noah's day, the finger of God pointed at the world. In Moses' day, it pointed at the nation here where we were mentioning. In Lot's day, it pointed at the cities. In Jesus' day, it pointed at the towns. Woe unto thee, Chorazin, Bethsaida. In Jonah's day, where we are this morning, pointing at the individual. The finger of God was in Jonah. And the finger of God is pointing maybe to you this morning. Now just sit tight because God has something to say to you this morning. God has something to say to some of you this morning. The first thing that we see about Jonah is this. He trifled with truth. He trifled with truth. And of all the hundreds of Old Testament scriptures that typifies and depicts the state of the church of Jesus Christ today, there's few so graphically, powerfully, dramatically describe it as these four chapters of Jonah. Boy, I see so much in this chapter I couldn't touch this morning. God points the finger at Jonah two and a half centuries ago. And he's not pointing at the adversary. He's not pointing at iniquity. He's not pointing at hypocrisy. He's pointing at treachery. Treachery. One of the greatest acts of treason must be when a man of God, servant of God, child of God, a watchman, a workman of God, abandons his position and post as an ambassador for Christ. Not only that, but he flees to the enemy's camp. He goes with them. Do you hear that backslider this morning? God loves the backslider, and so do I this morning. But remember this, you made a covenant with God one time. You got down before him, and you said you'd serve him. And he blessed you, and he took your sins away. Where are you this morning? He's pointing at you this morning. You're running with another crowd this morning. 
You're on board a ship that's taking you downward, 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 it'll take you too. And if you don't pull the reins this morning, it might be too late. Come on now. You swore allegiance to the King of Kings that you'd serve him. And the world has got you. And you're with the ungodly this morning. And you're asleep. God help you. God help us to betray the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, to flee with the pagans. Talk about apostasy. Greatest act of apostasy in the world of God is Jonah. You see, Jonah's name means dove. It means holy. Holy Spirit is the emblem of the dove, one of the emblems of the dove. God used this man before as a prophet. He was brought up in a godly home. His father, his father Amittai, means truthful and faithful. Godly father in a godly home. Father was a prophet. Father was a preacher. And God had blessed him before and used him before. Tell me, is that not the case with some of you this morning? Would the reason be that he's pointing at some of you younger people this morning and say you were brought up in a godly home? You were brought up in a Sunday school and like Timothy could say you'd know the scriptures from you were a child. And something has happened along the way. And you've been dragged down. Well, let me tell you here at night, there's 40 to 50 people a night, most of them different people, Monday, Wednesday, and we're praying for you. We're crying to God for the children and the young people. And God help you, you've saw nothing, only bickerings and fightings and strife in the churches. And God forgive us. And I ask God forgiveness every day. For my generation's nearly gone, I'm nearly finished now. And I pray to God that we'll leave a band of young men and women behind us who'll stand for God in these days. God help you. And there's much to put you off and much to drag you down. But you, you, you don't do get your eyes onto the Lord this morning. Come back to him this morning. Because God's going to move in revival in this land and we'll need you. When it comes, not when it gets coming. I don't believe, I don't care whether you believe it or not. It's coming. From a child you have known the scriptures. But like Jonah this morning, you're on the run. And storm after storm has hit your path, young man. Young married couple, storm after storm has hit your path. You have got away from the family altar. You have got away from the place of prayer. You'll need to get back. Because the next storm will be worse. And every storm will get worse. Some of you are like the crowd stood that round the cross this morning. I'm saying to you sinners this morning that are not saved and listening to me wherever you are. You're like the crowd around the cross. I will not have this man to rule over me. Well, you'll go, you'll go down to hell. 
At least Jonah got out of the fish. He'll never get out. Do you hear that this morning? Do you hear those of you who are not saved and, and, and you're trifling with the truth that you know well and the words of scripture that you know well and the gospel that you've heard often? You're trifling with truth. You can't do that forever. For my spirit, he says, shall not always strive with man. Hell has no exit. Let me say that again. Hell has no exit. You'll not see some, when you get into hell, you'll not see uh, exit number one, exit number two, exit number three. You'll not see it. The rich man in hell never asked to get out. There's a great gulf fixed, and once you're in it, you're in it forever, and you're burning flames forever. That's hell. That's what the Bible says. Our ministers, it doesn't matter what your minister says. It's what the Bible says. And I'm warning you this morning. Because sinner, don't trifle, trifle with truth. Saint of God this morning. I'm talking to the Christian this morning. Don't you trifle with truth. Is it not so that the gentle dove of the Holy Ghost has often prodded you, pointed to you, pointed his finger at you in meetings, in readings, in scriptures, often pointed the finger at you about something and you dig in the heels and you say, I'm not doing it. Well, you're not a part better than Jonah. And when the Holy Ghost nudges you and prods you, let it be whatever way it comes. Let me say to you, you sit up and thank God that he would even talk to you. Maybe there's some of you here this morning and you've dug in the heels. Maybe there's some lust. Maybe it's some lust that he's pointing at in your life. Greed, money, sex, fashion, alcohol. I don't know. But the finger of God says to you again this morning, get done with it, be rid of that thing. And repent. Maybe it's some link in the past. Something way back in the day has gone by and you've never got victory over it. Something that happened in your childhood, something happened in the days that are gone, you never got deliverance from it. But let me tell you this, you can get deliverance. You can get victory. Those men come in here, man come in here last Sunday night, Alan and I, and he got victory, let me tell you. And he was in the prayer meeting praising God for the victory. You see him nodding his head this morning. There's victory in Jesus. There's power in the blood to cleanse you from whatever it might be. Oh, saint of God, turn round. And when the finger points, let me say this very carefully this morning. It may be some lodge. You're coming in close, maybe. Maybe you've sworn oaths to men. For the life of me, for the life of me, I can't know how a child of God can call somebody other than my Savior, a worshipful master. I watched my father coming home drunk with a black sash on him and a Bible on it and cursing me mother 
And I'm not saying all the black perceptory men like not at all, but that was the image I got as a child in my home. Oh, my friend, listen. You need to separate yourself. You need to come out from among all that crowd and you need to worship him only. Ah, but it's not the sinner or the servant or the saint that he's talking to here. It's the servant. This servant of God, he trifled with the call of God. But Jonah. Listen, I don't know what God's doing in some lives this morning. I don't know. All I know what he done in my life. 40 years ago when he called me. Let me say to you, don't trifle with the call of God. What a blessed thing that God would put his finger on a young man or a young woman and call them into his work. The word was, go now to Nineveh. Maybe I'm going to push somebody who's over the line this morning where you've been stalling for so long. Go now, man. whole thing will soon be over and you'll be found outside the will of God and you'll get to heaven and you'll see that some man, other man's wearing your crown because the word of God let no man take your crown because you didn't go oh it was only the mercies of God that in my eight, when God called me the first time, I knew it as clear as a bell what he told me to do. And I said, Lord, I'm not going. Will you call me again? He gave me the same word again in six months. And after that, I said, Lord, oh, the patience and the mercies of God. And I said, Lord, you'll have to call me again. And he gave me another, the same word again. Uh, over a period of 18 months, the same word, in his mercy and his grace. When I think back on it, how foolish it was. You see, he had to wrench me away from the work I loved, the work that I was doing with all my heart. But he had to wrench me away from it. An old Baptist elder told me one day, he says, don't you leave your job until the Lord kicks you out of it. And I didn't know what he was talking about. I tell you, I know now. I know now. When you come into a work like this or a ministry like this or into the pastor, if you're going to take it serious or into any work for the God to take it serious, you need the call. Not a phone call. Not a presbytery call. You need the call of God. He trifled with the call. He trifled with the gifts of God. God saved him, called him, ordained him, sent him, blessed him, and he said, and gifted him for the only man that could do what he was going to do. And it didn't change. The second time, God came to him the second time. And listen, God's gracious. He comes two times, three times, three hundred times to me, many times. And to you too, if you only knew. God didn't change it the second time. Still the same. 
Still the same call, still the same place. Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh. The gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. And as God has gifted you for some task this morning, I don't know where it is, don't know what it is. You know. And you're the only one that can do it. He trifled with the call of God. He trifled with the gifts of God, gift of God. He trifled with the attributes of God. He says, I'll flee from his presence. Now, we're not going into that this morning. But our God is omnipresent and you can't flee from him no matter where you go. He's there. He trifled with the, with the omniscience of God. Thou God seest all things. He thought he'd hide in the ship. Don't you think that you're hiding this morning? And let these men that are not out in their churches this morning don't think they're hiding either. And he trifled with the omniscience of God and he trifled with the omnipotence of God, the power of God. Well, God showed him. For the Lord can calm the storm and the Lord can bring the storm. And the Lord can bring COVID and he can stop COVID whenever he wants. Trifling with truth. Secondly, the tracing of the trauma. The disobedience and rebellion have consequences. Consequences that not only affect you, but affect other people. You think of all the people that were affected by this man's disobedience. All the mariners were affected. What about the, if this was grain, which I think was on board the ship? What about the hungry souls that were waiting on it to come? They cast it all overboard. What about the other ships that were in the Mediterranean? You don't think that the storm just hit the one ship? What about all the other ships were in the Mediterranean that day? All effect of one man's disobedience. You think of that now. You think of that. What about the Nineveh? And if my reading's right, at the end of there was 120,000 children alone in Nineveh. What about the children of Nineveh? That they're burning and barbecuing. What about them? Does anybody care about the children this morning? What about them? And a host of other things. The way of the transgressor is hard, but the way of the transgressor is dangerous. You don't sin unto yourself. Father and mother, let me say this lovingly with a heart, with a soft heart this morning. If you want your children to be in the prayer meeting, you be in the prayer meeting. If you want your children round the Lord's table, you be round the Lord's table. If you want your children round the baptismal tank to obey the Lord, you obey the Lord. You want your children to be free from drink and alcohol, you need to be free from it. 
From the moment Jonah resigned in his heart and turned his back on the call of God and went with these ungodly mariners into the ship to head for time, from that moment he was on a downward road. Down to Joppa, down to the ship, down to the hole to the ship, down to Tarji, down into the sea, down into the fish, down into the fish's belly. It was all downward. He trifled with truth. He retreated from the task. Now listen, and here's my punch point this morning. He slept in the tempest. He was fast asleep. Boy, the Holy Scripture can, the Holy Spirit can pen something well. He wasn't only asleep. I don't know what it is to be fast asleep. I'm never, I can never get fast asleep. I can hardly get asleep. This is the most damnable accusation or indictment that could ever come to a child of God in the times of crisis. Now hear me. Fast asleep. Isaiah says the wicked world is like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. The world is in turmoil this morning. They're telling us they've answers, they have no answers. Listen, COVID-19, someone put these books out there. I'm skeptical books putting down, but they were asked permission to put down this. I've read most of this. You, you, if there's any of these left, you get it. Do you hear that? You get it. And that man that brought them, bring us more of them. That's one of the most mighty wee books that I've ever read. Right there, some of them. The world is in turmoil this morning, in deception and delusion this morning. Who would have ever thought this day would have come in less than 12 months? But it has, and it has come suddenly upon us. And we, we, the church, as a rule, are not ready for it. It's caught us. It has caught us out. We're trapped. Men and women out there are trapped this morning that, that shut down their churches. They are trapped this morning. They can't swallow their pride and go back and have to stay where they are. And the world going to hell. It's a sad day when the ungodly and the world out there without hope and without God and they've nowhere to turn to hardly. The church is on the run. The Laodicean church, he's outside the door and he knock. Behold, I stand at the door and knock of any man. He's looking in, he's looking in. It's supper time, the last meal of the day. I want in, he says. And we shut the door and we'll not let him in. Now he has shut us out. He shut him out, he'll shut us out. We can make all the excuses that we like and we can come all through the health stuff we like. We can do it all. Where's God in it all? And do what you can to keep yourself from this thing. And we are doing our best. 
Song of Solomon. Spouse knocked. She was asleep. And when she got up, he was gone. Isaiah says, Awake, awake, put on strength, O Zion. Shake thyself from the dust, arise. Loose thyself from the captive bonds. If our brother Keith, uh, over here on Wednesday night or Friday night, if he cried that once, he cried it ten times, so God <clears throat> rubbed it into my, drummed it into my ears, telling me, you got the message, it's the right message. I, he cried, awake, awake, awake! It's time to awake out of her sleep. It's time to go to our Ninevehs before it's too late. Awake thou that sleepest and rise from the dead and Christ shall give you light. The night is far spent and the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. The world is afraid this morning. The fear is all over the world this morning. The church is asleep and the world asks questions. And the church has no answer. The old mariners ask, what's the cause of this evil? And all we're hearing is COVID, COVID, COVID from morning to night. That's not the cause. That's the symptoms of the cause. And world scientists and epidemiologists and politicians Nurses and doctors doing everything they can to quell the storm. And God bless them. And God help them. But they're not able to quell it. The government has thrown everything overboard that they can get. Hasn't quelled it. They threw out all the cargo of the ship and they threw out everything. They can throw out the billions and the millions. But the storm's still raging. The storm still raging. And even though the gallant doctors and nurses of the NHS, and thank God for them, they're doing everything they can, and some of them are even losing their lives because of it, but it's not quelling the storm. The Muslims, the Sheikhs, the Hindus, the Jehovah Witnesses, the Hare Krishnas, most of them are up at 4 a.m. in the morning crying unto God. Where's our people? On some Zoom or Boom or something. God never said he'd pour the Spirit out on the internet. He never said he'd pour it out on Zoom. He said he'd pour it out where the people gathered together. The life scared out of the wee children. Hiding and juking. Talk about putting God in a straitjacket. Men of faith, oh, we stand up, stand up for you. <laughs> all these people, the Muslims and the Sheikhs and the Hindus, they're all calling unto their God. These old pagan mariners, they all had different gods. So it says they called unto their gods. They was all had different gods. But I'll tell you, when the storm's raging and all hell's breaking loose, these boys would have seen storms before. But the ship was about to be smashed. 
And they fired all out overboard. We're trying to quell the storm. Do everything we can to quell. Pray to your God. And the boy that should have been praying was asleep. What a picture of the church. The boy that should have been up praying and crying to God and trying to lead those men to the Lord was Jonah. Servant of God, the call of God, the anointing of God, all have been upon him. All have been upon him. The spirit of the Lord once was on him. It's not on him now. Because he gives the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, unto them that obey him. And he's not obeying them, so he hasn't the Holy Ghost. In the 1960s, when communism was moving through the world, you might say, mighty, mighty authority and power. The communists' headquarters and generals and all the boys that involved in these communists all had a big meeting. And they all gathered around and they had a big map of the world up and one boy with a pointer had the red, had the red marks on the square and we're, we're dominating here. We're dominating there. We're taking here. We're, we're, we're in control here. We'll soon be in control here. And one boy got up and he took the pointer. And he swiped it round the world. One thing gentlemen always remember. Inside here lies the church of Jesus Christ. But she's asleep. And if she awakens, she'll shake the world. I think we could draw that around Ulster this morning. She's asleep. She's asleep. David, when he was... This, these old marinas say there's another cause. David, when he was 17 years of age, went down to his brothers who were fighting in Tall's battle. Now hear me this morning. The father sent him down with bread and cheese to the brothers in the army and they mocked him and they laughed at him. And Saul, the great head and shoulders above all, anointed once with the Holy Ghost. And all his great men. Think of all Saul's great men. Look at them sometimes. Mighty men, mighty warriors. And Goliath stood up and down the mountain 40 days and 40 nights and he defied them. There wasn't one man would come to. They were all afraid. And Saul's great army were hiding. They were duking. They were hiding. And David came. And they were going to send him home and they laughed at him. And David said, there's another cause. There's a cause. You know the greatest cause that David saw? And so often, often this is missed. That ground that Goliath was standing on and that ground that he's coming out on every day and every night, that ground belonged to the tribe of Judah was David's tribe. What right has the enemy to take our ground? That's what motivated them. Belong to the tribe of Judah. They had taken the ground. My friend, if we don't rise up quick, we don't keep these prayer meetings going. 
We don't keep pleading and praying. Lord, no for that. The devil has no right to your children. He has no right to your wife. He has no right to your husband. And he has no right to your church either. Asleep. I noted this down this morning. Asleep. When there's an average of three suicides every day. Asleep. Asleep when six children a day in Northern Ireland have been sexually abused. Asleep when 200 children have been taken into foster care from last March because their parents are not able to cope with drugs and drink and witchcraft. Asleep. God have mercy on us. I'm finished nearly. Trifled with truth. He retreated from the task. He slept in the temple. In the tempest. He declared his testimony. When they asked him who he was and where he was going and what he did and all the rest of it, he says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear God. Would that testimony cut any ice? He says, I'm a Hebrew. I fear God. I fear God. He's a creator. He created it. That's what he said. Do you think that cut any ice with these mariners? You see, it's all right giving testimony. It's all right saying, I believe God is the creator. I believe that he's in heaven. I believe that the storm's there because of him. I believe all these things. It's all right giving your testimony. But testimonies will not quell the storm. And whenever he told these men all the things that he was, a Hebrew and everything that he did, the storm still raged. Still raged. Oh, God help us. It's not what we know about God, it's what we do for him. Have we not proven this in, in Ulster? If testimonies and singers and meetings and conferences and tea party could have won the battle, it'd be won longer. And I'm not saying I didn't give out as many tracts as you can get. And I thank God for this place where we have three or four men a couple of times a week out in the open air in the towns round about preaching the word. Thank God for them. And you pray for them. Because mind you, some of the things have been said about them is not nice. You just pray for these men. Pray for Stephen. Pray for you and pray for Robert. Pray for that other lad there in the church. With pray for them. We can nail all the tracks we like on the trees and we can get the word and that's good. But Northern Ireland is full of the word. With more versions, let me tell you, to take a 40-foot lorry to carry them out. We need something more. Testimonies and singers. What this man had to do, as I finish, was this. He had to admit. He had to confess. He had to repent. Our brother Rodney read, he just read the other day, Nehemiah chapter 1. And you know, every word of it burned into my soul. You don't have to preach the words, just read it. Every word burnt into my soul. When I began to think of Nehemiah, he sat down and he wept and he prayed and he fasted and he waited. And he confessed. 
He says, we have sinned. He, he never was in Jerusalem. He, he was in, born in captivity in the palace. But oh, like David, he had a passion for his people and he had a passion for the land. He says, we have sinned. There's no use in us looking at others. We need to look at ourselves. Jonah, Jonah, Jonah confessed, he repented, he admitted the responsibility. He says in verse, listen, see what he says in verse 11. What shall we do unto thee that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempered. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea. So shall the sea be calm. For I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. Judgment begins at the house of God. And is it, my friend, would it be? It's the sake of the church because of the church. Over the, number, over the last decade, would it be the sake of the church that this tempest is on We're so divided in denominations, so divided in doctrines, so divided in ritual and tradition and orthodoxy. God can't work. Well, let me tell you this. There's no money to love the old truths as much as I love them in this house. Let me tell you this. When God moves in revival this time, it might cut across all your preconceived ideas and notions. You better go now. There's a most revival, and I've printed up, I thought I had 50, I have 60 books on revival. And let me tell you, all of them are different. And we must allow the Holy Spirit to work. We needn't be listening to men. We needn't be contradicted by men. We need to let the Holy Ghost work. And as long as it keeps within the ambit of this word, is all we need. But once it goes outside, we pull the reins. Pull the reins. Testimony is one thing, but dying's another. There had to be a sacrifice offered to calm the storm. Nothing else will meet the requirements of a just God when the finger's pointed at a nation or at a people. Take me, he says. Cast me overboard. I'm to blame. Ho, ho, ho. Ho, ho. Boy, if we could get a couple of hundred men out of different denominations. I'm talking about fundamental evangelical denominations. We would get a couple of hundred men down before God and say we're to blame. I tell you, place up on storm and would shake needs a good shaking anyway would shake we're to blame one man caused this there's one man can cure this Jesus says if any man come after me let him take up his cross and follow me I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I. But Christ liveth in me, in the life that I now live in the flesh. I live in the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When we, when we come down to the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, I die to sin. I die to what men think. I die to what men say. Take me, I'm the cause. 
I'm not blaming other body. I'm not pointing my finger at other children. I'm not pointing my finger at other I'm at myself. Fingers pointing at you. Where are you this morning? And as my friend Jonah went down into the deep where there was no standing and all the waves and the billows of God's wrath came over my Savior too. And there was only one man because one man disobedience, sin entered into the world and one man can deliver the world and one man did deliver the world 2,000 years ago stripped naked and spread eagled on that old cross at Calvary. He quelled the storm the greatest storm that ever was, the storm of sin. And he'll quell it in your life too. Whenever the storm ceased, fear fell upon the mariners and they were converted. If you read it, you'll see they were converted. Fear fell, not when he gave his testimony, not when he said he was a Hebrew, he believed in creation. Fear fell on him when he said, I want to die, I'm to blame, I'm to cause, I'm the one to blame. Then the world out there will take notice. They'll take notice. And they'll say the church is meaning business. They've put away their sin and they've joined together and they're crying to God. Then the fear of God will come upon the sinners when they see reality. Not what we say, not what we say, but what we do. And when they, when they begin to see things happening, they'll, they'll take notice. And what else happened? One of the greatest revivals that you'll ever read of happened. When Jonas got out of that old Dietary was three days, and our Lord was three nights and three days, and he rose again in power, and Jonah rose again, and he came out onto the land. He maybe didn't go with the right spirit, but he went, and he went to Nineveh. Isn't it, isn't it amazing, and I'm finished now, isn't it amazing that some of the greatest prophets, and I was thinking about six of them this morning, some of the greatest prophets for Decades and decades preached unto the people of God, the people of Judah. And they never heeded. And God brought them into captivity, into bondage in Babylon. And one, oh, oh, take comfort from this this morning. One backslidden prophet restored. One to a people who never heard the gospel. One to an ungodly, wicked people. The worst you'd ever get. Aisha was only Sunday school children towards. And one backslidden prophet who dug in his heels and who turned and who repented and says, I'm to blame and went. And God brought the greatest revival ever was known in. I'm praying that God will raise up some restored young man. And he'll go down to the south of Ireland because God will remove move through Ireland quicker than up here. We've had our chance, maybe. One man filled with the Holy Ghost, restored and on fire for God, will go to a pagan people and God will move and revive him. 
We have heard it so much. We have listened to the prophets and the best of preachers that anywhere in the world you'd find over the years within this, country, in this province. It's time to pull the reins. It's time to make up your mind what you're going to do now. The finger's pointing at sinner, saint, servant, wherever you are. The storm's raging. As I preach, it's raging this morning. And until we get repentance and returning to God, it'll never quail. Join with us on Monday night. We have plenty of room. Don't you worry about that. On Wednesday night and Friday night. And come with your children on your heart. And your problems on the heart. And your land on the heart. And their neighbours on your heart. And God, who's been answering prayer and raising up people from these prayer meetings, will raise up your loved ones. God only knows what they'll do for God in the days that lie ahead. Look after your children. Teach them the truth. Don't listen to men or others. Listen to God. And where the Spirit of the Lord is there, there's liberty. And you move as the Spirit moves. Do you see what's going to happen? May God bless you.